Last time on Tales of the Voidfarer. You begin to see abandoned and destroyed Spelljammer ships. Now what are the chances that we're gonna end up like them? Those ships are ancient. There's an entire belt of derelict hulks. You see another speck. This one begins to grow larger. Millions of hulls of ships seem to have coalesced together under the forces of their own gravity, crushing them into a rather large asteroid. That is Nadir Anchorage. Like I said, they got guild clerks gonna be waiting here at the docks to collect a 50 gold due. We are going to have to sneak around them. All right, I think we're far enough down that they're not gonna see us. Probably be best if we can come back with information on potential salvaging. Oh, there, there's one. It's a Hadozi. If it spots us, it's gonna run. We just won the salvage report, man. The suzerain will have my head. Well, the suzerain isn't here. Tell me what we want to know found an untouched ship frozen in a comet. She reaches down and pulls a hatch. We gotta go through the bilge warrens. We only have keel crawlers to worry about. What the hell's a keel crawler? If you guys recall, Val has led you to a tavern called Kindori's Cradle, and she took you through the back door and led you down a hatch to take you to the Bilge Warrens. And she just said the only thing that you have to worry about down there is keel crawlers. Question, Val, what is a keel crawler? Oh, <laughs> the keel crawlers, they're a organization, well, that's a loose term. They are a group of outcasts in the Deer Anchorage. The Salvagers Guild will tell you that they're savages, uh, orcs, goblins, kobolds, bugbears, all of that. They live in the bilge warrens, the tunnel that exists in the hollow spaces all throughout the center of Nadir Anchorage. But luckily, the path that we're going to take takes us kind of on the outskirts of their domain. Shouldn't be a problem. Okay, good. I was a little worried that they were, you know vicious, blood-sucking creatures or something, I'm much happier knowing that they're just a bunch of people. Oh, there is creatures, but they're a little bit more few and far between. We should be fine. Well, now, don't it always make you think, when, when somebody names their group something awful and horrible like the Keel Crawlers, I mean, they have to know they're evil people, right? I mean, have you ever read those tomes, uh, The X-Men? You know how there's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants? What are they thinking? <laughs> I mean, the keel crawlers, really. <laughs> if your name is scary, no one will want to mess with you. Well, I guess, but nobody wants to be your friend either. You know, I'm not entirely sure if they name themselves or if that's something the Salvagers Guild came up with. Ah, interesting. All right. All right. I'll go down first. She holds the hatch open. And Ravnus goes down. Alrighty. <laughs> I think Marco was just looking down the hole. Is Ravna still alive? Sweet. My turn. Right. Riley and Edgar are still with you guys. 
I say, so we don't all forget about them. Sure. <laughs> if that's the case, the Marco would be like keeping a close eye on them and like going down first and then helping them down. Uh, I will go absolutely last. Okay. Yeah. Everybody goes and Val's just standing there and she gives you a look. Uh, yeah. I was thinking ladies first, but sure, I'll go. You go through and then she follows you and closes the hatch. So you find yourself in the below decks of a ship. However, the structure is crumpled and tilted at odd angles. And you see that the one side of the hull is completely blown out and it feeds right into another below decks hull of a ship. Val strikes a torch. All right, I'll lead the way. And you see that the ships have been crumpled and twisted together and it almost creates a tunnel where you're going through the bilge and below decks of one ship into the below decks to the other. And occasionally you'll step out on the above deck of a ship, but it's still in the center of the giant mass of ships. So it's the subterranean tunnel of stacked shipwrecks. Hmm. And you see the bits and pieces of all different kinds of ships. A lot of your standard galleons and tradesmen's, but you'll see the occasional tentacle like ram of a squid ship or like the large eye protrusions of a hammer ship so all of these different spell jammers any kind like or shape that you can think of are present in some number as part of this giant mass of shipwrecks that is nadir anchorage for the most part this tunnel is surprisingly navigable and you guys follow her for about 20 30 minutes and she goes all right, we're going to have to deal with Skurg before we can get to uh, the Voidfarer. Val, you you do this a lot. You know that, right? We don't know who Skurg is. We didn't know who the keel crawlers are. Like, you have to explain things when you say them. I was about to before you rudely interrupted oh, me. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Skurg is one of the keel crawlers. He lets us pass on our way to our ship without notifying the Bilge Lord, who is the leader of the keel crawlers. Um, he does charge a toll, though, so we're going to have to deal with that. Are you, are you, are you looking at us? <laughs> How much is it? It depends on whatever he wants at the time. It's, you know what, you're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, what has he wanted in the past? Uh, a variety of things. It's usually not valuable so much as just things he finds interesting. Hmm. You hide that little, uh, uh trinket of yours, Marco. Oh, yeah, like, Marco's already, like, Putting his uh, arcane focus like <laughs> deep into his cloaks. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's probably a good idea. Val leads the way around the corner. The cavern kind of widens out slightly, and it's like a T junction. When you get there, you hear a voice cry out before you see anything. Wait! Stop right there! And Val stops and she sighs and she goes, That would be Skurg. And with that, you see a motion out of the corner of your eye as a tiny figure drops from the rigging that's tangled into the ceiling of this chamber down in front of you. It's shorter than you, Luckbeak. Mm. You can see his green skin on his arms and a little bit of the chest that's showing through his shirt, but you can't see his face at all because he's wearing this extravagant captain's hat, not dissimilar from the one that Marco just bought, but it's pulled down entirely over his head because it's too big for him. And it looks like he has cut eye holes in the side of the hat so that he can see. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a cutie. Val, you come back to see Skurg. Skurg, did you cut holes in my hat? <laughs> it's Skurg's hat now. I suppose that's fair. Well, we would like to pass to get to our ship, please. And Skurg goes, Skurg want tall. 
the hat keeps shifting so the eye holes don't line up. So then he just pushes it all the way up and you see this goblin face with the bulbous nose and crooked yellow teeth. His goblin ears pop out to each side and you can see one of them is kind of pierced with what looks like copper wire that's spooled up. Val says, well, what would you like, Skurg? And Skurg goes, what do you have to offer, Skurg? Val kind of looks at you guys. Val, you don't... Uh, I mean, we already paid the the people on the ship. I, I feel like this is just another scam. All I have <laughs> are these rations. You want a ration? Hmm. Skurg, have food! And he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out what looks like half a rat. Oh, Skurg. Come <laughs> on, my friend. I open the rations container very carefully. I say, oh, c- c-, I step up to him slowly. Smell that. I waft it towards him. Smell that. Now that's hardtack. Mm. Okay, it actually doesn't smell like anything, but now smell your rat. <laughs> Smells much better than that shit, doesn't it? <laughs> Skurg like rat. Ah, Skurg. You little <laughs> scamp. <laughs> Val is now seeing you guys struggle a little bit, and she's looking through her pockets. I have this ring, I have... And Skurg goes, You gave Skurg ring already. Skurg has ring. And it looked like a nice a nice ring, but it seems like Skurg is not interested in its value. He just wants something that interests him. Hmm. Well, Skurg, I do have, it's a very nice hat, but you know, you really want to be a captain. I think there's a little something you need. And I walk up towards him and I reach in my coat into my disguise kit and I pull out a fake mustache and I offer it to him. (laughs) (laughs) Skurg, Skurg's eyes go wide a little bit. Uh, I want you to make a persuasion check. Sure. I got a 22. Yeah, Skurg looks at you and his eyes go wide with excitement and he kind of reaches out for it slightly and then he like stops himself. Mm, I don't know. Pretty good, but... (laughs) Skurg, you drove a hard bargain. Um, Skurg. Yes. I'm Skurg. <laughs> Tell me, are you armed right now? Whoa. Skurg has arms. And he raises his arms, but you see that he does have like a short sword on his on his belt. <laughs> so, okay, I was about to just like, I uh, pull out my dagger with the hilt. This is a dagger from the land of Toro. Would that potentially interest you? A dagger from a faraway land? He, he gets up and he's like scratching his chin. Uh, Skurg, take mustache! And he, he like, snatches the mustache out of Luckbeak's hand, and he sticks it to his face, and he, like, strikes a pose. Oh. He goes, you guys can go! Skurg won't tell Bilgelord! It looks positively dashing on you, Skurg. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> All right, let's go. Let's leave before he realizes how shitty that mustache is. Fuck <laughs> me, kick it down, keep it down. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so Val kind of laughs and she goes, all right, let's 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 go. She leads you guys onward down the path that continues straight as opposed to the one that tees off. She leads you like another 10, 15 minutes and the path suddenly stops and opens up in what looks like a vertical shaft. The path just drops off and you stand there and it looks like the way the ships have crumpled together created this vertical passage that's too steep to climb. And you can look up it and you see that there's like mass that kind of crisscross and rigging every now and again. And down you see the same thing and it ascends and descends into darkness. Val goes, well, this way. And she just jumps. 
you see that she starts accelerating downward and then suddenly slows and she grabs a little bit of like the rigging there and kind of uses it to pull her to the other side and she turns her body and lands on the underside of an outcropping that's about five feet down from the platform that you're standing on but she lands standing upright now upside down almost as if the gravity has switched directions and she leans over the edge, her looking down, looking up at you. Ravenous eats herself right after Val. <laughs> Go ahead and make a dexterity acrobatics check. Okay. Uh, that is a 15. Having seen Val do it a split second before, you kind of do the exact same thing. Falling, and it's this weird sensation where it's like your stomach drops because you're in free fall. And then suddenly you get lightheaded as you're upside down. At some point, you hit a threshold and gravity just switches and you grab the rigging to right yourself, letting your feet swing under you and you drop onto the other platform where Val is standing. But it is this weird disorienting thing. Hmm. I'm going to look at Luckbeak. Is this is this a normal thing? Do you, do, do you just constantly jump off of things and suddenly you're <laughs> upside down? Uh, so, Luckbeak, you would know that, yes, oh. ships and <laughs> it's not it's not this is like a weird situation where uh -huh. it is like super. Luckbeak's done this a hundred times. <laughs> <Of course laughs> no. And Ravnus, you would you would know why this is, but if this is a weird situation where you have to like directly interact with it. But the way ships and like small objects like asteroids, things that are not as big as planets work, is that gravity exists along a planet. Plane. So everything above that gravity plane gets pulled downward and everything below that gravity plane gets pulled upward. It's why some large ships, lower decks of the ship are actually inverted. So Nadir Anchorage is no different. It has a single gravity plane that exists all the way through it. And it looks like you've descended through the bilge warrens and hit that gravity plane. You know what this is, but you've never seen a situation in which you have to do this. <laughs> is this an everyday occurrence? I mean... Not an everyday occurrence, but it's certainly not that strange. You've never seen something like this before? No, not in Toro. God, so when are, when are you going to have that moment where I say something to you like, wow, is this a groundling thing? Because right now it just seems like you guys are just <laughs> hillbillies down there on Earth. Or, uh, sorry, <laughs> on the ground. Oh, well, I mean, I guess I, you know, I'm a, a foreigner in a foreign land, so, um, well... Go for it. Give it a try first. He's going to look at Edgar and Riley and be like, all right, um... Edgar looks super excited. He wants so bad to do this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I'm going to go before the kids, so I, <laughs> I take the leap. Okay. Go ahead and make a dexterity acrobatics check. Oh, child. <laughs> Val and Ravnus both made it look super easy. Uh, I'm not going to because that's a five. <laughs> All right. Somehow Marco falls in both <laughs> directions. <laughs> so... so yeah, Marco, you jump off, and then that sudden disorientation hits you almost instantly as you drop about five feet and then cross this threshold where the gravity seems to go the other direction. So it's like your stomach drops and then drops the other direction as soon as you pass it, and it's so distracting that you don't grab the rigging. So you fall and slow to a stop and then fall the other direction, and now you are bouncing Whoa. back and forth across the gravity plane <laughs> ah, what the and and it's kind of harmless and you're like occasionally jostling against like the timber walls but not with enough velocity that it's gonna hurt 
you get a little bumped and bruised as you reach out to grab something, but you are now bobbing up and down across the gravity plane. Is this normal? (laughs) (laughs) Is Ravenous able to, like, grab him as he uh, bounces towards them? Yeah, go ahead and just make an athletics check. That is not very good. That is an eight. An eight? Yeah. You try to get him, but you try to grab him when he's on the up, and the timing is just off, and it's awkward, and you miss. (laughs) Uh, Marco, if you'd like, you can make another dex check to try and grab the rigging. It's dexterity acrobatics. Oh, right. That's a 19. Yeah. uh, After a couple bobs, you can slowly get your bearings and like, okay, there's the rope. All right. I'm going to get it on the next time. Ah, not yet. All right. (laughs) Next time. And then just grab it and you grab it and you get a little bit of rope burn, but you're able to right yourself and then release and drop yourself gently onto the platform next to Val and Ravnus. Oh, okay. That was exhilarating. Val is laughing hysterically. (laughs) That was the funniest thing I've ever seen in a good long time. (laughs) Next time you have to grab the rigging, Marco. Marco's not listening to a word you just said. He is, like, sitting cross-legged, just (laughs) jotting notes into his (laughs) Fascinating. Luck Beacon, Ravenous. You would know that this is basically what would happen if you'd, like, jumped off the side of a ship. Okay. At least until you get out to a certain range, and then you would just start floating freely in space. Uh, I'm going to turn to the kids, and I'm going to say, do just everything the other way of what he did and you guys will be fine uh adgar just leaps okay <laughs> oh no <laughs> ravnus ravnus is going to get ready to catch these uh, kids. he gets a three so he he basically does exactly what marco did but the thing is is he is giggling hysterically <laughs> as he's just bouncing <laughs> up and down and you can see riley looks concerned for a second and then she starts laughing too And then she's going to jump. Oh, yeah. She does fine. So she jumps and she actually grabs Adgirk under his arms and reaches up and grabs the rigging and drops them both next to you guys. So, Luckbeak, it's just you. Okie dokie. I take that jump. Athletics? Acrobatics. Acrobatics. Eight. Yeah. You're doing some bouncing. (laughs) Okay. And who said penguins can't fly? (laughs) So (laughs) try to get a little bit of a running jump and you overshoot it slightly. Bouncing harmlessly off the other side leaves you bobbing up and down. Does someone want to try to grab him or he'll get another opportunity to grab him? Yeah, Ravnus will try to grab him. (laughs) Go ahead and make an athletics. I'm too busy high-fiving Adder right now. Oh, God. Damn it, that's a that's a nine. <laughs> so you reach out and you get him by one of the little yellow eyebrow oh, tufts. No. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the whole thing. It's just one of the little eyebrow tough feathers and you yank it out. <laughs> oh. oh my money maker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Luck peak, you can you can make another acrobatics yeah. check to try and grab the riggings. Uh six. <laughs> oh no. Come on, acrobatics thick. <laughs> Rugs are supposed to be good at dexterity. Not masterminds. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Ravnus, do you want to try again or does somebody Yeah, else? I'm I'm gonna use a different die. That that die's kind of been screwing me. Yeah, it's probably for That's a lot better. That's a nineteen. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you get him and you pull him to safety. Can I have it back? 
Have what back? I, I take my eyebrow out of her hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got a disguise kit. You can glue it back on. <laughs> That's true. That'll all be fine. I glue a mustache on where my eyebrow was. <laughs> <laughs> it was right when I was taking a sip of water. So Val goes, all right, now that we've had our fun, it's not much further. And she leads you down the tunnel. And it's a little interesting to think about because you are now in an inverted orientation from like the top of the station. The whole town is now upside down into your perspective below your feet. Val leads you for like another 10 minutes or so. You see light up ahead and Val extinguish her torch. And as you walk, the tunnel opens up into a massive cavern. The walls and floor and ceiling still constructed of the mangled, splintered remains of hundreds of shipwrecks. But the the train that you're standing on extends out from this tunnel and almost in a crescent shape around half of this giant cavern. And floating in the middle of this crescent is a gigantic galleon. Three masts extending upward, the rigging all strung, and you see that it's constructed of this dark brown wood, almost black in places. And it's adorned with brass fixtures and and instruments in places, and you see that there's boom masts along its side and what look like rudder-like ailerons type stuff on its side that you would imagine might help it maneuver in addition to its sails. Uh, And Marco, you see that along the outsides of the ship are that crystalline conduit that you remember seeing in the tradesmen uh, back on Toral. Furiously taking notes right now. Right. (laughs) Marco just takes out his book while you're standing there and Val (laughs) continues walking and Marco's lagging behind as he's taking notes. (laughs) And the bow of the ship is facing you. It's bow mast extending almost out over your heads. And you can see written in decorative lettering in Gold leaf paint, says the Voidfarer. Oh, so this is the ship. This is your ship. Yes, this is the Voidfarer. We can only admire it from afar for so long. Here, let me take you aboard. So uh, Val leads you around the outside of this cove, Voidfarer Cove, as a matter of fact. Do you see that there are a variety of structures on this landing that encompasses the one side of the cove? There is what looks like a large warehouse type structure off in the distance. There is what looks like might be a makeshift smith and then a couple other structures that might serve various purposes for the people who service the ship. And you don't see a whole lot of people out and about now. And Val leads you around and you see that there is a wharf that extends out across this just open cavern. And you see that around this side, the void fair is moored off to it. And you see a gangplank goes down from the top deck. And Val will lead you out to the wharf and she's going to lead you up the gangplank. You crest the top of the ship and you see that there are crew members up here going about their business. And you see a couple of humans. There's a half elf. There's a couple halflings. You see there is a black furred male tabaxi up in the riggings working on things. And as you step up to the top, you see that there is a man standing on the quarter deck. And he looks like he's in his mid to late 50s. He has a worn, wrinkled face. His hair is slicked back into a ponytail and is mostly gray. He has a gray mustache. Everywhere around the mustache is still kind of overgrown and bristled. And he has a couple scars here and there. And he has a long black coat. And he's just watching Val with a stoic expression. And Val sees him. And with a smirk, she goes, permission to come aboard. And he just kind of shakes his head and sighs. (laughs) 
Is that is that a no? Are we not allowed? And he's going to walk down the steps to approach you guys. I take it your journey was successful then. And she goes, ah, oh, partially. Found some recruits. And he says, I see that. Well, the Voidfarer is yours, Captain. <laughs> I suppose I should make a formal introduction then. My name is Captain Valeria Rain, and this is my quartermaster, Mr. Elmsworth. And welcome aboard, the Voidfarer. Ravnus is just sort of looking at uh, the other guy who has come up to them mm-hmm. and just kind of just kind of staring at him. You could definitely see that he is a seasoned sailor, clearly years of experience and like just the demeanor and the manner in which he carries himself. So he turns to you and goes, so the captain has recruited you to join our crew. Suppose we should get you added to the manifest. Scriv! Uh, he turns and shouts kind of past you guys, and you see one of the figures that was kind of off in the distance perks up and turns and walks over, and you see it's a figure wearing a light blue tunic, and as he approaches, you can see that it is a forged. This robot person, his eyes are light blue, and this one does seem to be intact, unlike the forged clanks that you met aboard the stoic gondolier. Yes, Mr. Elmsworth. We have some new recruits. Scriv just kind of stands there, and he kind of perks up, and he goes, oh, I see. Well, my name is Scriv. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I am the chronicler here aboard the Voidfarer, and if I can have your names, I will add you to the ship's manifest. He pulls out a book, and in his other hand, he just gestures, and a compartment opens in his palm. A quill-like pen kind of ejects and rotates, and it looks like it has like a little glass reservoir where you can see that there's ink in it. And there's even an extension out the top that looks like a quill. He just holds that pen attached to his hand, and he looks at you intently um, with the book open. And he looks at Luckbeak first. Uh, uh, Luckbeak Humboldt. Luckbeak Humboldt. That's correct. You've not been added to the ship's manifest. Okie dokie. you are? And he looks at Marco. Marco Astorio. Marco Astorio. And you? And he looks at Ravnus. 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 No surname? I don't know it. Ravnus. He writes that down. This is fascinating. (laughs) I have a lot of questions. Where is it that you hail from? What are your cultures like? I am fascinated with cultures and I would like to learn everything about them. Do you enjoy poetry? I'm a bit of a poet myself. And Elmsworth at that point goes, that will be enough, Scriv, for now. You have plenty of opportunity to interrogate our new members. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I will leave you to your things. And he kind of turns and walks away. Uh, we're no bother for us. It's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> unless we got stuff to do. Is there some sort of like swabbing or I've never really been a- aboard a ship. Elmsworth stares at you and Val will say, well, uh, there'll be plenty of things to do, actually. But in the meantime, Mr. Elmsworth, uh, how quickly can we make way? Uh, we have information on a important salvagers uh, operation that is time sensitive. Elmsworth will say. Well, it'll take about an hour to get us up to spell jamming speed, but we can make the preparations while we're in motion. And she goes, that would be perfect. Have the crew prepare and we'll make way immediately. He goes, aye, aye, captain. And he turns and he starts shouting orders to the crew. Val turns to Marco and says, Marco, you're a, a spellcaster, are you not? Uh, yes, I'm a wizard, a conjurer. Excellent. Forgive me if I'm mistaken, but neither of you have any magical ability, she says, looking at Luckbeak and Ravnus. I can do a few things. I mean, some say my charisma, but beyond that, no. <laughs> Fortunately, that's not going to work. And she looks at Ravnus and goes, what, what kind of things? A uh, few things here and there. I can pick up objects from far away. I can jump longer than 
normal. Interesting. Um, I don't think that's exactly uh, what we would need in this case, though, but um, but that's good to know. So she turns back to Marco and says, well, it's policy aboard the ship that anyone with significant spellcasting ability be familiar with how to operate the spell jamming helm in the case of emergencies. Since it's going to take some time to get up to proper spell jamming speed, I figured it would be a, a good opportunity for you to at least get acquainted with the idea. You want me to fly the ship? At least know how, should you ever need to. Well, I am in. Let's do this. Marco is like eyes have lit up. He's already, he's like ready to go. <laughs> well, Marco, if you follow me, I can introduce you to our helmsmaster, Salon, and we can show you how things work. She turns back to Ravnus and she goes, Ravnus, are you familiar with weaponry aboard ships? Uh, like she should <laughs> be, yeah. <laughs> I would imagine uh, you would have experience with ballistas and maybe cannons, but you've never used a cannon because they're not as common. They're expensive and hard to maintain, so the pirates don't have a lot of them. Yeah. But you know how they work, but it's either been a while or not at all since you've actually used one. I know how to use ballistas. I've, I know about cannons. I've never used one. She goes, oh, great. We have a ballista. It's the big one up in the back. And she gestures up onto the poop deck. You see that there is a large ballista. It's big. It's like almost 10 feet wide. It's a big boy. But we do have six cannons below deck. Um, if you like, I can have Roxana show you the ropes in case you ever need to help our gunners out. Whatever you need, Captain. She smiles at that. All right. If you sit tight, I'll have her come meet you here. Well, I'm going to take Marco to meet our helmsman. Um, I'll leave it to you two to introduce yourselves to the crew. All right, then. Marco, this way. I am already, like, well behind. Like, let's go. <laughs> Why are we standing around, Captain? Come on. Like, he's not saying that, but, you know, he's got that energy of, like, mm -hmm. I was ready 10 minutes ago. And you also see that, and I totally forgot about them because it's going to be a reoccurring thing. Uh, Riley and Edgar were there. Scriv got their names as well. And uh, they're wide-eyed looking all around. And Thal would have said that they have a couple cabin hands and deck hands that are around Riley's age that she can introduce Riley and Edgar or two so but adgar is like wide-eyed because this is a bigger ship than the one you even got to crot space in the stoic gondolier was nothing compared to the size of the ship val will lead you towards the front of the ship across the deck towards the center door that goes beneath that deck off the main deck she opens it and holds the door open for you to go in he walks in <laughs> you walk into two individuals uh, standing around a table. Strewn out across the table is what looks like star charts. You see a very stoic elf standing there. They have pristine blonde hair that cascades down the back of their head, and they give you an inquisitive look when you walk in. The other figure is a wild-looking gnome with bright red hair that's just shooting up everywhere and he has an equally vibrant red beard that comes down to a point uh, in front of his face and he has glasses that are kind of lopsided and they look at you weird because they don't recognize you and you just walked in on them and then they see Val right behind you. The gnome speaks up first Ah! Captain! You've made it back! Jesus. Val laughs and goes, yes, yes, I've made it back. Uh, we have some new recruits, one of which is Marco here. Uh, Marco, I'd like to introduce you to our ship's navigator, Johannes Walgoff. She gestures to the gnome. He goes, yes, yes, Johannes Walgoff. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you, too. And then uh, she goes, and I would like to introduce you to our helmsmaster. This is Salon Rabir. Salon, the elf, uh, just kind of nods their head at you and goes, it is a pleasure to meet you, Marco. 
It is certainly a pleasure to meet you too. Val says to Salon, uh, Marco here is a mage. So as you know, uh, we wanted to make sure that he was accustomed with using the helm should any emergencies happen or if you would need relieved. And Salon looks kind of annoyed, but they nod. Val turns to Johannes. And Johannes, here, I've written down the location of a salvage operation. I've already had Mr. Elmsworth start preparing the ship. If you would like to start charting a course, we're going to be making way within the hour. And Johannes kind of grabs it excitingly and goes, yes, yes, of course, I'll start charting right away. And Val looks to you and looks to Salon and goes, all right then. And she gestures to the door that's across this room. So you guys walk around the table and through that door and you find yourself in a room that looks vaguely similar to the first room in the tradesman, Marco, where you saw a spell jamming helm there and you activated the teleport circle that took you to the Rock of Brawl. This room is much wider and there's very little decoration in here, but you do see the chair, the spell jamming helm sitting right in the middle, facing the forward of the ship. And it's a high back chair and it's lined with uh, what looks like black velvet. And there's tiny little white stitching in it that looks like stars. And you see that radiating out from the bottom of this chair is more of that crystalline conduit that extends out from the chair into the walls of the ship. And Salon is going to say, Have you ever used a spell jamming helm before, Marco? No, um, I only saw one once uh, before I came here, and it was more or less destroyed. I mean, it was basically a wreckage. Um, when you say that, they kind of has like a sad expression on their face. And when you said the last one you saw was kind of in a wreck and like destroyed, they look sad. That is a shame. I'm terribly sorry to hear that. Uh, he he, he kind of like, Marco doesn't know what to say to that. It's it's a weird reaction. It's almost like you told them that like somebody died. When when a mage or a priest or anyone with substantial magical ability attunes themselves to a spell jamming helm, they become an extension of the ship and the ship becomes an extension of them. Their senses become one. You can guide the ship with your very will. Perceive anything as if you are standing anywhere upon the deck. It is an experience unlike anything. I am 100% about that. You see like the faintest shadow of a smile. It will take some time to attune, but once attuned, the ship will heed your will. Its speed and maneuverability will be dependent upon your magical potential. There was a time many, many years ago, where such helms drained a user of their magic. Thankfully, that is no longer the case, but it does require the magical potential to guide the ship. Have a seat. Hey all, Nick here the one who is quickly exhausting his toolbox of character voices because he decided it would be super cool if the Voidfarer had a crew of 30-some unique fleshed-out characters. First up, I wanted to apologize for some of the sound issues that's happening in this episode. We do have a fix that will make everything all better in an episode or two, so thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for listening to episode 4 of Tales of the Voidfarer, the penultimate episode of our first chapter. This episode also kicks off our regular every other Tuesday release schedule. That means you can catch episode 5, the chapter 1 finale, in two weeks on Tuesday, October 29th, 2019. 
Next up, shout out to Rachel Guzak, 8-Bit Ribbit on Twitter and Tumblr for doing our kick-ass character art for our three favorite misfits, Marco, Luckbeak, and Ravness. And finally, if you like what you hear, consider giving us a follow on our social media at Voidfarer Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook and at Voidfarer Pod on Twitter and share us. Or you can just tell your friends in person with your mouth words. That works, too. Anyway, back to this oddly central scene between Marco and a chair. just like yes sir <laughs> walks over has a seat val's still in the room she kind of leans against the one wall and is kind of watching you with faint amusement and as soon as you sit you feel this like tingling sensation and Solange says close your eyes i want you to meditate on the ship around you i want you to feel the helm beneath you supporting your weight i want you to concentrate was doing so. Marco closed his eyes, just kind of tries to let himself go and try to feel the ship and like, I guess be the ship would be the term. Gotta use the marble. You've gotta date the marble. <laughs> Marco is all about dating the marble right now. <laughs> so, some time passes. It's so long, in fact, that you start wondering if you're not doing it right. But eventually the sensation kind of washes over you. Almost like you're being slowly lowered into warm water and it just immerses your entire being. And that's when you feel it. You feel the ship. You feel it around you the same as you would feel your fingertips and your arms extended out. You think about it and you see the riggers in the rigging starting to unfurl this sail that is lined with this the shimmering arcane threads. You see crew members coiling rope. You see Ravnus and Luckbeak on the deck talking to this Goliath woman. You see everyone on the ship where they're at as if you're standing there. It's like you feel yourself standing on the deck next to Luckbeak and Ravnus and then you look up onto the quarterdeck and then you're standing up there. You can at any time see and observe the ship from any point on it just by thinking about it. What's also weird is you're still fully aware of Salon standing there next to you and you're still fully aware of Val in the room with you as well. You can still see them. You're still sitting in the chair in front of them. Salon is even going to say, did you see what I mean? My words do not truly give it justice. Yes, I see. Yeah, it's this dual existence, simultaneously experiencing the ship and everything on it, and simultaneously as sitting in the chair. Now, the ship is already made way, getting ready to eventually make the spell jamming acceleration to your destination. So, Salon is going to say, I want you to think forward. Marco does so to the best of his abilities of, like, moving forward, going. You almost expect it to take effort. Where you're like, all right, I'm going to think real hard forward. And before you even do that, it just goes. It just happens. Oh, okay, okay. And it's a little tense because you're not outside of this harbor yet. You are traveling this gigantic tunnel of wrecked ships all around. And as soon as you realize that, it almost gets nerve wracking because it's not going to be hard for the top of the mast to scrape the ceiling or the hull to scrape the floor of this tunnel. All right. Now, you're not going to get lost. Take this tunnel to its end, and let's leave Nadir in courage. Uh, Marco does so with 
now at this point, extreme enthusiasm as he's getting more of a hang of it. He's just like, I got to know more. I got to learn more. And at this point now, he's just like, go just acutely aware of like the forward movement. So Marco, go ahead and make an arcana check for me. You got it. That's a 23. Oh, yeah. So there's something innately magical about what you're doing. You feel the magical energy radiating through your appendages, almost the same as it does when you cast a spell. You just kind of like feel it being siphoned into the seat that you're sitting in. And you guide the ship almost flawlessly through this tunnel and eventually see it open up. You see the blackness of space. What's interesting is as you're going, the walls of the tunnel, you see it's still all shipwrecks, but occasionally you're seeing giant green vines, huge feet in diameter, green tendrils interweaving their way through the shipwrecks. And you extend out of the tunnel and you see the bottom side of Nadir Anchorage is actually these gigantic leafy petals. They look almost like farm fields because it looks like the surfaces of these gigantic leafy plant petals have been tilled. Dirt has been placed on them and they've been tilled and they're growing crops. What, what are they? Val looking out one of the portholes. Well, one of the ships that got shipwrecked, who knows how long ago, was an elven craft. Elven ships are living. They are plants. And Salon nods and says... Yes, I piloted one for many, many years when I was part of the Elven Imperial Navy. Left unattended, the Elven ships overgrow. This one is ancient, and it has been unattended to, and its bowels and vines now permeate this entire, this entire station. The leaves serve as a very convenient surface for which the residents of Nadir Anchorage can till crops. Very fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, you did glimpse the elven armada-class ship that was floating out in the void at Nadir Anchorage. So you kind of imagine that whatever ship this was was similar to that one, and it is just left overgrown for thousands of years. Salon is going to say, Very good, Marco. I'm actually impressed. I would like you to take towards that star. That should get us in the general direction that we're going to be heading, and then when Johannes gives me the coordinates, we can get you there. Um take off dutifully and happily as can be very good yeah they let you fly it for the remainder of the hour johannes eventually comes in and salon is going to say all right marco i believe it is my turn to take back over i guess marco is going to attempt to stand yep you can do it it's this weird sensation where like it feels like you're standing out of water like you were laying in a pool of water and you stand up and it feels cold but yeah, you can stand. It's a little disorienting because like this dual sensation of sensing the ship and yourself now just snaps back to you just sensing yourself. Oh, of course. Of course, Solanda. By all means, I'm, I'm going to go sit down for a second and contemplate a lot. I understand. And they'll sit. Uh, Val is going to say, you did very good. Here, let me take you back out to the deck. And you walk out onto the deck just in time to see. You don't feel it. You just see it. The ship accelerate. And you see Nadir Anchorage almost shrink immediately. Because now that he has a heading, Salon has brought the ship up to spell jamming speeds. This may in fact be the greatest day of my life. 
Luck Beacon Ravnus. A few minutes after Val and Marco leave, you see coming out of the door towards the aft of the ship, this tall Goliath woman. She's standing over seven feet tall. She has black hair that is in tight braids that go almost all the way down to her waist. And she's wearing leather armor that's kind of layered uh, all the way down her torso. And uh, she goes, you must be Ravnus. Yeah. My name is Roxana Kikahadagi, but everyone calls me Rock Thrower. I'm the master gunner here. All right. Show me what you need me to do. Come down to the gun deck. I'll show you. She has not acknowledged you, Luckbeak, at all. Okay. <laughs> very, very curt demeanor. And she goes down a set of stairs that descends below decks. Ravnus, you follow this Goliath down and you see what looks like a cargo deck, although there's not a whole lot of cargo around. And getting to the bottom of the stairs, you turn around and head back the other way. And surrounding the cargo hatch that ascends further downward, you see six cannons, three pointed in each direction. And down here, you see three individuals. Two of them looks like they're maintenancing one of the cannons. And the other seems to be just sitting nearby with a book. The two maintenancing the cannon, one looks like a half-orc man and the other a human female. The woman that's sitting across the way reading a book appears to be this very pretty human girl in her late teens, early 20s. But she has platinum blonde hair and she's wearing black robes that fit loosely. But underneath there seems to be a layer of almost skin type black that almost comes up her neck almost to her jawline. And you see that there is a silver holy symbol around her neck. And she doesn't pay either of you any mind, um, just kind of sitting there reading her book. Do I recognize the holy symbol? Uh, Yeah, you would. It is a holy symbol of Celestian, which is a pretty common deity in wild space. It's the Far Wanderer. So you know that it's the patron of sailors, travelers. Actually, it wouldn't be outside of the ordinary for maybe some of the pirates of Gith to worship them. Okay. But yeah, she doesn't seem to be paying either you or Roxana any mind when you descend. However, the other two see Roxana and they stand at attention. And Roxana walks up and she says, these are two of our gunners. This is Robin Kendall, uh, she says, gesturing to the woman. And this is Lester Dryden, gesturing to the half-orc. And Robin says, it's a pleasure to meet you. Lester goes, new blood. It's been a while. Ravenous just stares at them. She has nothing to say so yeah. far. <laughs> Roxana says to them, this is Ravnus. We are going to show her how the cannons function. She may be some help if we ever need to get to use them. They both nod. They're going to lead you over to one of the cannons. Roxana is going to say, now there are two major functions, the cannon, you load it and you fire it. I think I can handle that. Robin is going to show you there's a stack of uh, cannonballs there, the powder cartridges and the ramrod. Lester is going to actually loosen the ropes so the cannon can slide back and you can load the cannon in the front and it slides forward. It seems like Robin and Lester seem to know the process of training someone on the cannon so they show you more or less how to do it. Roxana is just going to run run through it a couple times and just so you're familiar. That's Scottish. I can't stick with an accent, you know. (laughs) I like to sample all of them as I go. Robin is going to say, while you guys are going over the process of the cannon, Robin is going to say, so uh, what brings you here? There was, I don't know, there was a penguin and a human that I started following. (laughs) A penguin? Uh, This is Lester. And he says, oh, uh, like a noir. 
Yeah, I, I think it's exact. I think he is just a doe. <laughs> I don't think he's really a penguin. Ah, yeah, I see those every now and again. So you just followed a human and a penguin here. Well, the deal seems better than the one we were going towards, so oh, I ended up I here. Well, let me guess. It was the the Salvagers Guild. Yep. That's more or less the same way most of us all got here. Yeah, I figured it'd be easier coming here than trying to kill my way out of paying the toll, so... Yes, uh, I understand that. Robin says, smiling and nodding and kind of reminiscing about something and doesn't elaborate. Roxana is going to say, looking at one of the, the ports to the outside and goes, Oh, I see we have some debris. Why not a test fire? Okay. Robin will offer to... Actually, she's going to say, do you want to load or do you want to fire? Whichever. I can I can try loading. All right. So I want you to go ahead and make a athletics check. Okay. Uh, 15. Yeah, you do it. You pack the powder charge. You pack the ball, which it's heavy. It's a heavy iron cannonball. And you slide it in and it makes that cast iron on iron sound as it down into the cannon. And you grab the ramrod and pack it in. And as you pull it out, Robin, make sure you're clear and then lights the fuse. <laughs> And the whole cannon jerks backwards and caught by the blocks and the tethers that Lester had made sure were secure. Go ahead and make a, just make a d20 roll. All right. Don't fuck me, Gil. Because <laughs> I don't know what I'm rolling for. Oh, that's a two. Yeah, there's the floating debris out in space, but it, you don't actually hit it. But that's not so much your problem as it is that the ship isn't actually trying to line up. But you glance over at Roxana who nods and goes, very good, very good. And Lester is going to say, well, maybe we'll have an opportunity to use these cannons. I don't think we have in... Oh, man. It's been a while. So we just sit down here? No. We do a variety of things. Uh, we're, we're gunners primarily, along with several others. They're on break, but some of them are uh, preparing. Uh, we all have our various tasks that deal with the act of sailing, but in a fight... The gunners will come down to the gun deck and man the cannons, and several will man the ballista on the aft of the ship. But you don't fight often, right? Only when we need to. We're primarily a salvage vessel, but occasionally we have to defend the things we find. Huh. Is that not satisfying to you? No, it's just new to me. I think it's interesting. The woman in the corner kind of glances up for like the first time, and she seems kind of surprised to see you specifically. And you're not sure if it's because you're new or if it's something else, but she's very, very pretty. When she looks up, you see she has a scar on her face that kind of starts on her cheek and goes up to her forehead and her one eye is blind. It's clouded over. And she looked up like she was going to say something and then saw you and then stopped. Is something wrong? Um, no, no uh, nothing, nothing is wrong. I, I must, I must leave. She closes her book, stands, and then goes up the stairs. Uh, Roxana <laughs> says, that is uh, Orella. She is the chaplain. Does she not like the gif? I believe her last ship was uh, all of its crew killed by Yankee pirates. Hmm. I'm sure I have more scars from humans than she has from gif. She'll get over it. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Roxana nods like she doesn't really have anything really to, to say to that. I think that concludes our weapons test. Uh, if you feel like you're comfortable using this, if we ever need to. Yeah, it seems fairly straightforward. You'd be surprised how many people fuck it up. <laughs> well, then I'll try not to fuck it up. Good. She turns and walks up the steps. 
Luckbeak. Yes. You just watched Ravnus and this gigantic Goliath woman descend below decks, and you are now left up on the main deck, and there's crew members all about. Sure. There's a good handful of them up in the riggings. There's a few kind of running line. The ship has now cast off from its mooring and is now navigating down this gigantic tunnel. Uh, I'm going to uh, to scour the deck and try to find um, some sort of uh, uh, rope that was from rigging, maybe some sort of tarp. Um, th- those two items are they are they available? Yeah, you could actually see there seems to be a large supply of coiled rope ready when needed at the base mm-hmm. of one of the masts, and you can find a storage locker not far away that has folded tarp. Great, uh, I take the both and I head up onto the deck and start walking towards the uh, the the bow of the ship. And where do you think you're going? Oh, uh, thank gosh you're here. I turn around. It is a Mr. Elmsworth. Um, all right. Y- you take this end of the rope, and I hand him uh, uh, an end of the rope uh, that's tied to some tarp. All right. Uh, hang on one sec. I lost my accent. Um, uh, Foghor- uh Now, hold on. <laughs> fuck. What the fuck is his accent? <laughs> Southern adjacent. Uh, we, we let you sit idle for too long. <laughs> <I know. laughs> now, ho- now, child, uh, this is my, all right, my accent. There we go. I found it. <laughs> I need to have a key, a key phrase to get into this. All right. Hey, now you hold that side of the rope if you would. And I'm just going to, and I go ahead and start tying it to the edge. Now, can you tie it over there? And I got to make sure it's taut because you can't have a hammock that's a little lax. If you have a hammock that's lax, you're going to like, it's going to fold you up he, like a cocoon. He hasn't reached out to even take the rope. You're just like starting to like set up. Uh, oh, sorry. You got to. Okay. Maybe louder. So you grab that side of the rope <laughs> and I'll pull this side. You have to make sure it's taut. Why don't you head up to the forecastle and see if any of the riggers need any help? The what? Head up to the forecastle. And he kind of gestures towards the raised deck towards the front of the ship that you were kind of already heading that way. And he goes, see if any of the riggers need any help. Uh, maybe I wasn't so clear. Uh, I said it earlier, but maybe you weren't around. I actually don't have any ship experience. So I'm- then we'll teach you. We've taught far worse off than you. Hmm. But, but see, the thing is, like, I, I gave a I gave a mustache to Skurg, So. I feel like I sort of did my duty for the day. Um, so I had brought a book. I was just going to sort of, um, you know, read for a while. Listen here. Luckbeak, was it? Yeah, that's correct. There are lots of roles in this crew. Mm-hmm. Mustache giver. We have riggers. <laughs> we have gunners. We have deckhands. Cabin hands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The quartermaster. Helmsmaster. Sure. Navigator. But what we don't have is layabouts. If you're oh, going uh, to be part of this crew, uh, you best decide what you want to be good at and f- talk to the people that are going to teach you it. Uh, all right. So, uh, I suggest you go talk to the riggers and see if they need any help. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. I'm short. You know that, right? Like, real short? So are half our riggers. All right, fine. I'll go talk to the riggers. <laughs> um... I take my supplies and uh, go where are the riggers are on the upper deck. Uh, Yeah. So you're still on the main deck, which is Mm -hmm. like the lower of the top decks. Sure. So the forecastle he gestured to is the raised deck at the front of the ship. So it's up one set of steps onto the front. Sure. I'm going to uh, walk away with all my stuff and mutter like 
either, sir. I mean, I'll pay my own money for that mustache, and then I give it away for free, and yet I'm some more than I've got to do work on this ship. I don't see Ravnus giving away mustache. All right. Uh, I get to the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I get to the uh, rigorous station. Okay. Yeah. You see that there seems to be two halflings up here, and one of them is up the mast onto the first cross boom and has dropped a line down to the other who is now fastening it to the base of the mast. And the one at the bottom is, is a woman. She has curly brown hair that she has tied into a bun, and she's wearing just kind of like a dark cotton shirt and brown pants. And she turns and she goes, oh, well, you're a new face. Yeah. Uh, can you just say that I was up here for a while and then I'm going to start uh, tying things to the the sides of the ship? <laughs> just like tell the, the, the guy, the yelly one. Just uh, let him know that I was oh, rigging Mr. all day. Mr. Mr. Elmsworth, that's the one. Uh-huh. I see. Let me get this straight. You you just want to come up here, do whatever the fuck you want, and then want no. us to tell him that you didn't, in fact, do whatever the fuck you want and you just did what you're supposed to do, but that's not actually the case. All right, like I'm more of a passenger on this ship than I am a like a crew member to to you know <laughs> per se. No one's a passenger on this ship. All right, well th- we're on this ship and we get paid. Get paid really well, a lot better than the self interest guild. Oh, well, I didn't realize. I thought this was more of like a, a yo ho ho. We're all family. There's pay. Yes, there's pay. Oh well, hell. All right, show me. We how do to salvage raise. operations and we get paid. Okay, all right. All the right. other halfling drops down on the rope, and he also has curly brown hair, but it's kept short. He does absolutely look related to this other halfling. Mm-hmm. Who are you talking to, sister? She says, I don't know. He hasn't given me his name yet. Oh, so sorry. Uh, Luckbeak Humboldt. Oh, Luckbeak. Oh, that's a lovely name. Well, thank you. The first halfling you were talking to, she was like, no nonsense, like sarcastic, giving you a hard time. This mm-hmm. one is like super cheery. Okay. Oh, well, pleasure to meet you. I'm Meryl Waxing Moon. This is my sister, Melinda Waxing Moon. We're both riggers here upon the Voidfarer. And you see Melinda is kind of like rolling her eyes. You know, brother, he was just telling me how he just wanted to lay about up here while we did all the work. And Meryl goes, oh, I'm sure he didn't mean that. I mean, of course I didn't mean that. Uh, (laughs) I mean, of course, who doesn't want to lay about? I was just expressing my want. But of course, I'm ready to work. That's very good. Actually... I think um, I think there's a task that uh, would be right suited for you. Oh, well, all right. Well, lead me to it. Well, we've already made way, but as far as I know, nobody's fetched the compass for the captain yet. So if you would be a deer um, and head below decks, find her compass and bring it to her, I'm sure she would be most appreciative. For sure. I can do that. Uh, okay. She kind of thinks for a minute and she goes, you know, I think the last person that had it was Coot. Okay. Coot? Why would Coot have the compass? And Melinda goes, no, 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 I'm pretty sure he had it. Uh, Coot is the cook. He'll be down in the galley. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm headed down there then. So yeah, you kind of tell from the way she gestured, she gestured towards the aft of the sure. ship. So you cut across the deck and go through that main... Yeah, I'm going to do the thing that all my, my students do, uh, and I'm going to just amble instead of, you know, going directly <laughs> to my locale. <laughs> I, I just kind of, you know, I want to take stock of, like, if I need something, you know, open some lockers on the way, just sort of see where everything is. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you could do that. Um, there's not a whole lot on the main deck. I mean, like, there's, you know, the sailing stuff, mm-hmm. the lines and stuff, The what you already got into to make your hammock. Sure. You go through that first 
door and you find yourself in a hallway that extends about 25 feet back is roughly 10 feet wide but it's a lot more claustrophobic than that because you know any available space is taken up by a crate or a barrel or you know stuff but you see that there are seven doors other than the one you came through three on each side of the hall and one at the very end mm-hmm. uh, are there and, any that are clearly labeled uh nope okay uh well let's uh try the first one on the left it is locked. Okay. Uh, I'm going to uh, use my thieves tools. <laughs> sure, because anywhere you need to go is going to require you to break <laughs> into something. Um, okay. Yeah, go ahead and roll. Uh, 13 plus 1 plus 2 is 16. Yeah, yeah. it clicks open. Now, we're going to play a fun game. Saker, uh, venture a guess. High or low? Uh, high. High. Great. So, yeah, uh, the door clicks open. Uh, okay, I'm going to peek my head in a little bit. Is it lit up in here before I fully open the door? It is not. Uh, okay. It looks like it is an officer's cabin. Okay. Uh, to cover my own ass, I'm going to say, uh, Coot? Looking for Coot? Are you in here, Coot? <laughs> okay, I better come in and look for you. Uh, I'm going to uh, <laughs> just kind of see who's, whose cabin this is. Okay, go ahead and make an investigation check for me. 20, unnatural. Okay. Yeah, uh, this room is a cluttered mess. Okay. And there is charts and maps plastered up everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, And they look very well made, but they've also been now defaced with ink and scribbles all over them. Okay. There is a desk that has similar maps and books. And then there is a shelf that has just a bunch of scrolls and rolled up maps sticking out of it. Okay. It's a disaster in this room. Um, okay. Not super interested. Doesn't look like there's going to be any information in here that I'm interested in. Um, yeah, for the most part. I- I'm-, I'm just going to head out. Um, okay. You walk out the door and there's someone standing there. Mm-hmm. You see this human woman, beautiful platinum blonde hair and in a black cloak. And she's looking down at you with an eyebrow cocked. And she, you see she has a facial scar and one of her eyes is clouded over. And she mm-hmm. goes, um, what were you doing in Johannes's cabin? Uh, I was told that was Coots. Uh, no, um, Coots' cabin is the next one, but God he would be in the it. galley now, which is the last door on your right. Ah, shoot. Okay, my apologies. I I, I, I must have just gotten mixed up there. <laughs> Sheik nods, and she'll walk past you and go into the middle door on your right. The door right before the door she indicated as the galley. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to uh, wipe all the sweat, the flop sweat from my brow, uh, and then... <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and enter the galley. Okay. You walk in and you open the door and it almost immediately blocked by what at first glance is like a gigantic boulder until you realize that it's actually a gigantic turtle shell. Mm. It hasn't acknowledged you at all, but the person in this room seems to be a turtle. Oh, okay. A, a turtle person. Yeah. The room itself is roughly 10 feet by 10 feet, but he seems to be taking up most of it. There's counter around him and cabinets and a, a wood-burning stove, and he's kind of <laughs> kind of humming to himself and has not noticed you come in at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to uh, kind of come up uh, behind him, I guess, and, uh, and kind of say, excuse me, uh, coot? Uh, he does not acknowledge you. <laughs> hmm. Uh, a little louder. Coot. All right. Uh, jeez. Uh, do I see the, the, the compass anywhere? 
you don't on a counter or something no okay you, you might you might get the impression if you like tap on him or knock on his shell or something sure. you might be able to get his I'll attention I'll go ahead and knock on his shell that doesn't seem weird <laughs> at all <laughs> so when he does that when you do that uh, he startles with the jump uh-huh. and goes into his shell he's like what? <laughs> and it just dump as the shell hits the ground and he goes in it uh huh okay coot is not your real name definitely a nickname I understand now <laughs> And uh, after a moment or two, you kind of see this this like long neck kind of come out and kind of look, and you can see now seeing his face that he is ancient. Uh huh. Exactly. And he goes, who, who, who's there? Uh, the name's Luckbeak. I- I'm look I'm looking for a compass, Coot. Compass? Yeah, the captain's compass. Oh, did I ha- did I have it? Ma- Meryl and Melinda. You you remember them, Gramps? Meryl, Melinda. Oh, the little ones, yeah. Yeah, they told me you had the compass. Oh, I don't remember having the compass. Oh, my God. Okay, could it be... I remember a lot of things. Could it be in your room? Uh, I suppose. Okay, could I'm going to go in your room and look for the compass, okay? Um, all right, well, what's your name? Doesn't... Luck... Oh, good God. <laughs> Coot, you're never going to remember me even asking you to go in your room, so have a great day, bud. How long have we been at sea? Uh, listen, your your grandson's going to be visiting later. I don't have time for this right now. Oh, buddy. All right. I got to go. I got to go, Coot. I'll talk to you later, pal. <laughs> I, I'm going to walk out of the galley. God. Okay. So you go across to the room that was indicated was his cabin. Sure. Uh, and actually, you you go you go to leave, and you see that Coot is now right behind you. <laughs> okay. Wait, you said a compass. <laughs> God, yep, I sure did, Coot. Uh, I think I gave it to Brohame. Okay, so this is a fetch quest now. All right, Brohame. <laughs> now Brohame is which of these doors, or do I just like Bro Brohame's workshop is below. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, why did you give him a compass? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even remember having it. But you know that you... Oh, all right. This is not worth worth talking about, Coot. All right. I, I'm going to head there. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Remind me to never, ever eat anything on this ship, ever. <laughs> I'm terrified of what I'll find. Uh, okay. Such so a nice seagull. <laughs> I'm going to Broham's uh, uh, workshop. Yeah, so you go back out on the main deck and then take the stairs down. Um, and at the bottom of the stairs, you see a similar hallway and six doors total, three on each side and one on the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, so I'm going to... I'm, I'm just going to yell out this time, Broheim. Huh? Who's Gee, asking? No. no. Oh, I thought that was Coot again. <laughs> no. <laughs> Coot follows you down. No, no you, you see, um, no, that was just my voice transitioning from one very unique quirky character to another very unique quirky Just a few of the many unique quirky characters you'll meet in <laughs> Tales of the Void. Um, okay. Uh, Who's asking? Uh, uh, name. The name is Luckbeak Humboldt. I'm looking for a compass. You see the door on the end of the hall open and uh, very clearly not the source of whoever shouted, but you see a, a halfling, another halfling, mm-hmm. um, poke her head out 
She kind of has a shoulder length brown hair, straight though, and a purple bandana that's holding it out of her face. And you see that there's some like grease smudges on it. And she goes, ah, if you're looking for Brohane, he's in here. Uh, okay. All right. And, and who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Laney. Laney. I'm the carpenter uh, aboard the ship. Um, I, I work under uh, Brohane. He's the bosun. Oh, uh, okay. All right. That means nothing to me. Bosun? Uh, uh, Bosun. A boat swain uh, originally. Yep, that, you know what? Uh, that he, helps a lot. Thanks. <laughs> he keeps the ship ship shape. Okay. Ship shape. Uh, all right. Well, introduce me to him. I'm excited to meet this ship shape right, guy. Uh, come on. Uh, you, you said your name was? Uh, name's Luckbeak. Luckbeak. Boy, I all say right, my own on, name enough and it just loses all meaning. I've introduced myself about 12 <laughs> times in the last 10 minutes. Well, did you want to just round up the crew and just make an announcement? I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I, I figured there'd be some sort of welcoming party, but this has really been uh, a no, bummer so far. we got shit to do. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Shields the door open and you see this is clearly a workshop mm-hmm. and there's workbenches and tools and, and stuff. And you see uh, metal bits and bobs basically everywhere. And you see a pair of dwarven legs sticking out from what looks like a giant mechanical spider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Laney kind of walks up and goes, um, b- uh, Brohane, uh, we have uh, we have a visitor. Yeah, was that the one that was squawking? Now, I, I, I regret that characterization. You may not know, but characterizing <laughs> a bird as squawking is kind of offensive to birds. He pushes himself out from under and sees and goes, oh, well, you're actually a bird. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> 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 and and he kind of sits up and kind of wipes his hands off. So uh, I'm uh, Brohane Windhelm, a bosun of the Voidfarer, uh, and I'm very busy. Uh, mm-hmm. What? What is it that you want? Uh, I'm, oh, Christ. I'm looking for a compass. <laughs> um, as soon as you say that, he chuckles. Melinda uh, said the captain needs a compass, right? Yeah, I, by, yeah, yeah, after a fashion. <laughs> well, uh, she does that a lot. The captain doesn't need a compass. We're in space. Oh, oh, shit. I, I just, <laughs> I just got, uh, I just got hazed, didn't I? <laughs> A little bit. Okay. Well, <laughs> hey, boy, I deserved it. I've had quite a day. <laughs> so uh, you said your name was uh, Luckbeak then? <laughs> you, <laughs> yep. Not going to say it again. <laughs> so what brings you to the ship, Luckbeak? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I, I'm just sort of uh, uh, seeking passage and uh, catching some fame and fortune along the way certainly wouldn't hurt. Well, you come to the right ship, that's for sure. That's good. We're definitely getting a lot more interesting things than the fucking tossers over at Salvagers Guild, that's for sure. Oh my goodness, yeah. I'll, I'll, already way more interesting, that's, that's definite. So, I'm sorry for what, uh, <laughs> for the... The chase they sent you through. It's it's all right. I I you know. I was what? gonna say goose chase, but I didn't want to offend again. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate you. Uh, what's the equivalent? Not being short with me, I guess. What's a dwarf? <laughs> <laughs> you say to the halfling and dwarf in the room. Uh-huh. <laughs> he looks at you for a second. And he goes, ha, ha, "I think I like you. This one. Oh. Uh, all right. Well, let me uh, at least ensure that your search wasn't all for naught." And he kind of walks over to the corner of the workshop and he kind of pulls the tarp back and you see that there is four decent sized casks and he grabs a flag in and turns a spit on one and you see kind of like a, a dark fluid kind of pour into it and he goes been brewing this myself tell me what you think 
No, and he kind of hands it to you. This is what I thought ship living would be like. All right, uh, I'm going to relax and take the uh, uh, whatever he gave me, which is 100% poison, knowing how today is going. <laughs> <laughs> you look at it, and it looks black. It oh. looks like motor oil. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, well, uh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Uh, I'm going to take a swig. Yeah, uh, it's roasty, but super bitter. Oh, okay, but not... Um, but it's not 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 awful. Okay, all right. Uh, it obviously doesn't get you drunk, though, because you're a doer. Yep, exactly. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, oh, hot damn, that ain't so bad. Now, now, what'd you make this out of? Well, it is a uh, traditional dwarven recipe with a with a spin. Since I've got here from Krat Space, mm-hmm. uh, they've got some interesting um, some interesting grains mm-hmm. that grow on uh, some of the nearby worlds. So, incorporating some of that, combining those with the the recipe from back home, get dark roastiness, uh, a little bit of like a chocolate hint. Uh-uh. It comes right from the grain. There's no chocolate in it. Sure, no, that's great. I'm very impressed. Now. I, you got you got to know that I, I don't really have much of a taste for alcohol unless you know could you make me up a a fruit ale sometime you think we could work something out a fruit ale yeah you know some you try this of... some of my best work and then you ask me to brew a fruit ale for you what well, listen you're making of course I'll brew you a fruit oh, ale just Jesus. get me some fruit <laughs> okay I am I am kind of uh I'm sorry this this ship has got me a little bit on edge right now. <laughs> I don't know. Who's I think you'll with fit me. in just fine oh, eventually. Thank you. All right. Well, I got work to do. Uh, great. Well, I guess I will uh, return nothing to no one and have accomplished <laughs> nothing today. So thanks for uh, thanks for the ale though, or the uh, the the brew. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. If you oh. ever want to try any of the other ones I'm working on, feel free to stop by. Oh, I will be back. Uh, okay, I'm gonna head out. You leave, and as the door's shutting, you hear Lainey turn to him and go, Did he call us short? <laughs> <laughs> as the door clicks. <laughs> so, you head back out onto the main deck, and this is about the time, Marco, you come stumbling, still a little dazed from your stint upon the spell jamming helm, and Ravnus coming up from below deck as well. So you kind of inadvertently all meet on the main deck again. And this is the time where you guys see that Nadir Anchorage, which has slowly been getting smaller, just all of a sudden gets very small very quickly. Although you don't feel that acceleration, which is almost disorienting by itself. Mm. Just suddenly see this point of reference just fly away from you. But if you weren't paying attention, it would feel like you're not moving at all. Val is going to follow Marco out of the same door he came out of. Well, we're underway. We should be there in, uh, I think, what, seven hours, Johannes said. So make yourselves at home, and before we know it, you'll have your first salvage operation. Okay. We got a job, then. projectderailed.com